Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. In the Marbles with Preston and Matt. What's up in the Marvels Nation? I am your co-host Preston, sitting along, well actually across from me, excuse me, the one, the only, fresh back from Disney, Matt Beamer. Had a magical time there, man, it was awesome. Second time at Disney, but first time as an adult, and let me tell you, it's a way more different experience, I think better experience than what I had in, I think, 2000 is when I went, but I had a lot of fun with Caroline, spent four days down there. Got to meet uh, some of my friends down there who just happened to be there, but it was a great time. Yeah, I'm actually pretty jealous of you, actually, Beamer. You were, uh, somebody raved on Facebook about it. They said that adults who go to Disney without any kids are called childless millennials. So you're a childless millennial I, right now. I am. We're dual income, no kids, man. We're soaking it up while we can because once we do have kids, that's when it starts getting a little funny to me. I enjoy dink life. It's not for everybody. Some people have kids sooner than others. We're, we're, we're thinking about having kids here soon. I got you. So, well, uh, hey, how about enough of that? Because, you know, we could talk about Disney. Heck, could, I could do hours of it if I wanted to. You but could, You could probably branch off and do your own podcast for Disney. I, I could. I could. But uh, how about we uh, head on into the Roval? We had a great time at the Roval. The weekend was Fantastic. The, the Roval was a lot of fun. I'm glad everything worked out. You, me, Charlie, and Dad came to the track to experience it. It was a lot of fun just camping and hanging out with the guys. Got to interview Charlie, which is a funny story because we gave him a call once we posted his interview. I said, man, we just posted it. Just wanted to let you know that. Then he went on to say, 
well, don't bother coming down for the race in March because I got suspended. And I asked him why, and he said because he, he broke a bearing or something in the suspension on, on lap 10. Mm-hmm. And, so what he, and so he was in the pits, and this other driver on the track who I guess has a reputation of being just that guy, like maybe from iRacing, who just goes out there and wrecks people, doesn't really care. Yeah, just, I know he, about so, that. So he ran his teammate into the wall, and I guess his teammate got injured and broke a couple fingers and stuff. Well, Charlie was getting out of his car, and he was approached by his teammate, his one of his crew chief's team members, and he said, get back in the car. And he pulled the old goon move from the movie Goon where the coach went up to, who's who's that guy from the goon? You know. Honestly, I'm drawing a blank. I've seen the movie plenty of yeah, times. Yeah, I just can't remember Either now. way. So, yeah. So he pretty much went up to him and said, go get him. He pretty much called his number and said, go get him. So Wait, in the car? In the car. Well, this is like Days of Thunder. This It was pretty much like him going into the pitch saying, change my tires. That's it, right. He got backstrapped in, under caution, went, found him, and rear-ended him, pretty much bumped him up on his car, left tire marks on his hood, he said. He said the crowd went crazy. Just, oh, I can I, imagine yeah. so. And so he was called to their equivalent of the hauler to talk about it and. He was just kind of going off. This guy's been doing this just for us for so long. I mean, what what the heck? You know, he wrecks us, and you expect us not to do anything. But it's always the second blow that gets the person in trouble. It's never the first contact. It's always the retaliation. Yeah. He got suspended for two races. So Charlie Herkus from South Alabama Speedway in the Cup Light suspended for two races. But something good might come out of that. That's when he's talking. He's talking to his uh, team owner right now about going up to modifieds. So that's the big news from short track racing, at least from our end. Charlie's such a goon. Oh man, yeah, he doesn't take he doesn't take crap from anybody. But I I like that about him. He's he's no nonsense. What you see is what you get. But back to the Roval, man. It was fun. It was fun. Good race. We're a bit late in talking about it. I feel because. You know, went to Disney World and stuff. From what I saw, it paid to be in front. Oh, it was, yeah, absolutely it paid to be in front. But, you know, the weekend in general, you know, that was my first time going to the Roval. I didn't get to go last year, unlike you, and I had a blast. Motor course racing is fantastic. It was a totally different experience than last year. It seemed like everybody was still trying to fill it out last year, whereas this year they kind of had an idea of what to do, their marks, where they wanted to run, maybe a better idea of the car setup. And it showed, it showed, especially in Chase Elliott, who had an interesting race, to say the least. Chase Elliott, listen, Chase Elliott had the car to beat. That guy could have probably started a lap down as to won that race somehow because his car was fantastic. Everybody's heard of the spin and win. I've never seen a run into a tire barrier and win. And win, and that that happened right in front of us, too. On lap... 40, on a restart, it was identical to Kozlowski's wreck from last year. Of course, he took out a number of other cars along with him, and Elliott was just a lone victim there on the outside, and he just went into the wall. And whoops, you know, just coming back. And uh, I told Charlie, I, if he wins, I'll buy you a Chase Elliott koozie, and I bought him a Chase Elliott koozie. And that was awesome. That was awesome. Ran into the tire barrier and won that was, uh, that was pretty crazy, I must say. That was probably one of the craziest things I've probably seen in person, well, other than a couple of years ago at Darlington when Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch got into it and 
Harvick got out of the car and whacked uh, him in the face. And I would have loved to know. have been there for that. What was amazing to me about that race, and I think a lot of people uh, throw flack at it, when Kyle Busch parked, I guess there was a suspension issue or something. Something in the sway bar was broken. Something in the car was broken. Busch felt it and said, I'm not going to risk the car or anybody else I'm going to park. And a lot of people gave him flack for that. I wonder if, if it was like a Chase Elliott, they would have given him as much flack. But I see his point in thinking, park in the car, because you don't want to ruin anybody else's day. He was locked into the round of 12 anyway. At that point, he's thinking, who cares if I run or not? What do you? What's your take on that? You know, the, it only comes down to, I think what some people don't understand is, you know, he wants to not risk because during that caution, I can't quite remember who it was. I think it was the 52 or uh, I can't remember who it was. They dropped fluid on the track, of yeah. course, and NASCAR had already waved off the restarts twice. And, I mean, I could clearly see it right in front of us on the track. So even if they're throwing oil dry down on the track and cleaning it up, he's already locked in. Yeah. He was in the garage for a bit of the day, right? No, yeah, he was out there for really? a good part of the day, as far as I remember. Just said, I I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Not necessarily do this anymore, but you know, it's it's rare to see a Gibbs driver. I feel. I mean, part- it could you could argue and say that it could come down to you know you're screwing with sponsorships. You know, with sponsors paid to be on the car to be on TV, but he, I mean, he was out there most of the day. I mean, what what is five laps? I mean, I don't really. I don't really blame him too yeah. much for it. It's, at this point, it's whatever, you know? Yeah, move on to Dover at that point. But then the Xfinity race was, I think, just as exciting for one. I'd hate to say there were no Cup drivers in there, but A.J. Allmendinger was in there, won the race. I was more interested in the Briscoe-Bell incident, yeah. racing and incident. I, Allmendinger was out in front, and then either way you look at it, Bell dumped or... Briscoe got into Bell and got wrecked. That was, it could have gone either way, um, but after seeing the replay, I mean, when we saw it at first, I had thought that Bell probably intentionally dumped Briscoe, and then you look at the replay, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, maybe Bell got into that turn too hard, he might have locked it up, a little loose, turn it up the track, but the more and more you watch it, it's like, I don't know, I mean, it could go either way. It was just what drivers say, one of those racing incidents. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting to look at what could have been, but either way, Allmendinger had the card to beat at that point. He's a good road course driver. But, you know, just looking at that, it was it was a fun weekend overall. I really enjoyed it. I went to Disney World and then came back. I didn't even get to see the Xfinity race because I was driving back Saturday. But how was the Xfinity race? It looked interesting on t- uh, just based on reports. It was uh, it was a pretty good uh, race. I wasn't really I would have wouldn't have thought that Cole Custer probably would have won, but I mean he's one of those uh, what do they call it the big three yeah, drivers. Stuart, Stuart so Haas. so yeah, he, he's definitely a threat there in the Xfinity series. I think Stuart Haas has equally good programs in both cup and xfinity i'd like to see him run a little more better in cup but their top dog is harvick who's the consistent one yeah the xfinity dover race seemed pretty interesting to me the cup series from not even the start of the green flag drop in trouble 
for a chase contender, a big chase contender, and Joey Logano. That's right. Not even before the green fly dropped. I mean, you're talking just in the the warm up yeah, laps the alone. Pace laps, and he went to the garage. I think they got him back out there to run because he, there was a little bit of controversy. Yeah, they did because there was a little bit of controversy and bad blood between them. He's several laps down. And he's up there getting lapped by the leaders, Larson, Hamlin, Truex. And he's racing them, which shows to me he had a good car. If he would have been in the race, I think he would have been a contender. However, racing brings bad luck. Sometimes you have it. It's how you adapt as a team and move forward. That's how you win championships, defending defending series champion. I think they got... A, definitely a shot at the top for to make it into the final round, you know. So I, I don't. Drivers will complain about anything that doesn't go their way. I, feel. I, I I'll touch on it right now. The drivers that are complaining about it can suck it up. That's what I got to say. You know, I I don't drive a NASCAR, but I think that having to get past lapped cars should be one of the challenges that you have to prove that you can drive. I mean, well, yeah. you can't just be out there in front the whole time and not have you can't get around people. You're talking about a an oval track. I, I can't. I don't know the exact dimensions That's of how. That's a mile long. It's yeah, a mile I mean, long. you're gonna come up on lap traffic right. at some point to begin with. You know, those guys that are driving out there that might be in the back, they deserve to be out there. You know, yeah, who knows? They do. They do. And then it's funny too because it's etiquette too. I think they were more mad about the etiquette of it. Move up a lane. Let the let the drivers go. Spotters usually talk and say, hey, go up high, my driver's low, or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was funny um, just how everybody complained in the fact that there was Logano, a seasoned vet, a champion in the, in the sport, to get in the way. I think they were just more mad about that. It's like you knew better. Well, I think you could actually bring into the conversation, that could be almost like back in the day, the old point system. You got guys that go into the garage, come back out, laps down, but they got to race all day long to get the points that they can. And now that the point system is different, I think once you're so many laps down, you can't really get too much out of it. Park the car. Right. And, you know, that's, I don't know, there's, it's two different, I don't want to say generations, but I mean, there's that gap from when we jumped from the old point system to the new point system. I think they're, um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for at this point is, they're, uh, well, speaking of the points, we're going to pause there at Dover and talk about the point system because my dad in particular was wondering how the stage racing works, how the point systems in general work. He was confused. I had explained to him after every stage in the Xfinity race, this is what's happening. Why are these guys pitting right before the stage? Well, they get the track position for stage two, mm-hmm. stuff like that, so on and so forth. So pretty much in the NASCAR point system now, it's broken up into stages. We're going to use an example of a 200-lap race, so an Xfinity race in a sense. It's breaking down into three stages, stage one being 50 laps, stage two being 50 laps, and final stage being 100. So they pretty much cut the race in half and then cut it in half again. So it's almost thirds, but it's not thirds. Yeah. At the end of each stage, the top 10 drivers get points. Yes. For First place gets 10, second place gets 9, all the way down to 10th place gets 1 point. And then you get an extra bonus playoff point. For winning the stage. For winning the stage. And those points are only for drivers who make it into the playoffs. We'll get more into that in a second. After the race, the race winner gets an additional 5 playoff points 
bonus points to go into the playoffs. And then the points are paid off like this. First place gets 40 points, second place 39, all the way down to if it was a 40-car field, 40th gets one point. Now, I think it's really confusing for you know, someone like my dad, who's not really into NASCAR, who looks at it and says, this driver finished ahead of this driver, but the driver behind him got more points. But I'm going to break it down to you like this because I have the stats. So, if, for example, in Dover, Jimmy Johnson finished 7th in Stage 1, 5th in Stage 2, and 8th in the final stage with a total of 39 points. Matt DiBenedetto finished 7th in the race with 30 points, however, did not get any stage points for finishing in the top 10 of the stage. Though a great finish from DiBenedetto finishing in the top 10, he didn't run up there all day when it counted for those stage points. And those stage points makes it makes a huge difference Absolutely. over the course of 26 races. I mean, we're talking, we talked about it, we hinted about it in the first episode where I think it was around 50-something points you could get. Yeah. And that's the difference between making the chase, possibly, and on the outside looking in. That's kind of how the points run down. Again, the playoff points from for the playoff, the final 10 races are for the playoffs. So every win, every... You could have up... I know a couple of years ago, Truex, when he was on dominant fire and winning everything, had like 50-something stage points or playoff points staved up for the championship. So he had that good buffer throughout the championship, that, which he really didn't need. But definitely comes into factor here when you talk about places like where we're going next, Talladega. The truck series are back in action Ooh. after almost like a month off. Wow. They got the weirdest schedule ever. So it's the truck series and then the cup series. Yeah, if you don't see those guys race, it's – Weird. So, okay, so we got the Truck Series, which is a fun series in itself to watch. I, I love the Truck Series, and I, I, I'm definitely going to watch that race Saturday. But then Sunday is the big one, the big show at Talladega, the 1000bulls.com 500. Chase Elliott won the spring race. And, and a little side note, Clint Boyer's 500th start. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations to him. That's, yeah, a, that's a lot of starts. It is, and with one of those up-and-down careers that he should have done better than he has, and I wish he would have. But going into Talladega, Larson has nothing to worry about. He's locked in. Mm-hmm. So he could run in the back all day. He could go for the win, which I'm sure he will. I think be a factor, but I don't think he's going to be that factor. Chase Elliott won the spring race, but it's it's one of those crapshoots. Talladega and Daytona are known for the pack racing. Anybody can win. That's pretty much uh, how it goes. Especially the drivers below 8th right now in the points. The Logano, the Boyers, the Elliots, and the Blaney's. They're going to be up front. They got to do well. They don't want to go to, I believe it's Kansas afterwards, and win their way in. Didn't work out well for Eric Jones. Got caught up in that accident at the Roval. Took him out of contention. They don't want to be in that position. So I feel that it's, it could be anybody's race to win. The Benedetto can win this race. What's crazy about the playoffs, like any other sport, that a non-playoff driver can win. Though we've, seen, we've been seeing plenty of playoff drivers dominate the playoffs here lately, Truex and Elliott in particular. But I think it's anybody else's, anybody's race to win there at Talladega. Absolutely. Anybody can win. I mean, you, we saw David Reagan a couple of years ago with – 
David Gilwin, one-two finish, and that was coming up on dark time out there, actually. Uh, the TV screens were doing a little bit of justice because I heard from people in person that it was actually much darker than what it looked like on TV when that race was getting ready to end. I think the same way at Martinsville when Jeff Gordon won before they installed lights, it was the TV seemed to brighten it up a little, and they should just put lights at every track and make these things night races. I love the night races. It's a little cooler depending on where you're at, and I think it's just a little more fun to race at night. But that is an off topic, but yeah, Talladega coming up, can't wait for that. Been looking forward to this. It's one of those anything could happen wild cards, as they say. I think the Roval was a good example of a wild card, but Talladega definitely is. So we'll see what happens with that. And so what are, what are your takes on Talladega? What do you think, you know, who do you th who's your top five? Let's just throw out there top five. Oof. Uh, this is where it, I mean, <laughs> All right. this is where it's going to get interesting because when it comes to, when I do fantasy on NASCAR, when it comes to either Daytona or Talladega, I'm throwing people at the bottom and in the top five because, like you said, I mean, anything can really happen. Anybody could win. I'm going to throw... For sure, say William Byron is probably going to be up there near the end. Kevin Harvick, for sure, as well. He knows how to plate race. Um, but well, it's I'm, not plate racing anymore. Oh, it's that's tapered right. Tapered spacer racing. racing. That's right. Thank Come you for on. correcting me on Come that on. one. I know. I'm Get still stuck it, in the old days. Get I can't it. help it. What was the other? Matt Benedetto. That's a good I, underdog he's my, pick. He's my pick to win. He's my he's, pick to okay, win. Okay, I like that. I, I, I like think that. he's going to go yeah. away from Levain Family Racing with a win at Talladega, because I think that's where he has the best chance of winning. And then I want to say, when he gets to Wood Brothers, he's going to win. Yeah. Consistently. Now, I also think Christopher Bell, when he goes into that 95 seat, Gibbs is going to give Levain Family Racing so much more than they're giving to Benedetto. Absolutely. Because... I think that's just the nature of the beast right now. They're limited to four cars to save money, but there's nothing saying I can't go to an underfunded team, a, a C-grade team, build them up to a B-plus, A-minus team, and put a driver in there and run competitively. I think Gibbs has done that with front row. He's now doing it to Levain, unfortunately. He can't just bring in a fifth driver. Levain is their unofficial fifth team. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch next year. But I think that Benedetto is going to do well there. Kozlowski runs well there. Hamlin's always a threat. Truex is always a threat. Logano has a win there. Elliott won there in the spring. Might as well just say everybody's a threat right. at Might this point. Might as well just say everybody <laughs> at this point because I don't. You could run well all day up there get sh and just get shuffled out to the back, finish 17th on the final lap. You never know on Talladega. That's what makes it fun for everybody to sit down and watch, everybody to have fun with. I'm going to throw Paul Menard in that top five as well. I mean, that's not no surprise. You but would. He's shown a little bit more promise at those bigger tracks lately. Well, I hey, could throw anybody in that top five, man, honestly. Shoot, you could throw J.J. Yelley up there and or B.J. McLeod. And, oh, yeah, they're, they're a factor to win. And they are. Everybody's a factor there to win. But it's just all about, jeez, ah, I don't know. There's so many X factors in Talladega more so than, I think, even Daytona. It's a little bit it's, it's wider. They can support more. It's faster. I think Talladega is going to be one of the fun races to watch this year. Not that everyone hasn't been fun. Our top picks is just a big question mark. We don't know. But if we had to put our money on someone, I guess it would be Menendetto and Menard. That's our big takeaway here. <laughs> 
here. Oh, gosh. I can't believe that. Uh, and then the trucks are going there. The truck series this weekend, uh, Talladega, that is the start of their current round. The truck series have four races left, so whoever's currently in their top eight in points, it's a new round, just like uh, the Cup Series just started at Dover. Right. I'll run over the standings real quick here, looking at the truck series, because they've been off for like a month. You know, people kind of forget about them because they have the weirdest schedule. They do. Um, right now... The top four currently, uh, Brett Moffat is first, Austin Hill is second, Ross Chastain is third, and Stuart Friesen is fourth. And our fifth through eighth, you have Matt Crafton, Tyler Ankrum, Johnny Sauter, and Grant Enfinger. A lot of big names right there in the fifth through eighth position, but Chastain's been running well all year. I've really enjoyed watching that guy smashing watermelons at the end of each race. That's pretty cool. It's kind of a Gallagher throwback, I think. But that's going to be my pick to win it all is Chastain right there. Talladega, I mean, it's it's just like the Cup Series, anybody's race to win at that point. Ross Chastain's not a bad pick. Um, Honestly, Matt Crafton. I would think Matt Crafton is one of those guys that's going to be up there too. But, I mean, he, from the Truck Series races that I've watched – lately he hasn't been doing as well as i usually know him to do like last year but i mean he's still in the top eight in points it's a new round to start just a new round to start at talladega which means anybody's playoffs could be messed up at this point after this race right so that's going to be interesting to watch catch up on little on with the truck series considering that I've been just thinking about Xfinity and Cup, but the truck series is out there. The the seems like unforgotten child of NASCAR here as of late, at least for me, and definitely would like to see that series gain a little bit of more momentum. I think I definitely watched it more throughout the year of Kyle Busch and all those guys that had come down winning every race, and that's my big turnoff with Xfinity and Cup. I don't like watching Kyle Busch race Xfinity or Cup and winning just dominating it's boring for me i i see a cup driver in the field i turn off the race right away don't don't know about you don't know about anybody else that's just how i feel i don't like it i was never really a fan of it either especially when kyle bush would come down to the trucks and just dominate now it's just it doesn't make it enjoyable to watch no no, not at all i i understood it with in a situation of like a harvick who was in that series in 2001, the Bush series in 2001, and replaced Dale Earnhardt after his death and then ran both series because he was committed to the Bush series and ran Winston Cup and won that. I think he won that championship in 2001 and then finished ninth and rook, got rookie of the year in 2001 in the Winston Cup, which was amazing for me. That put Harvick on the map for me, won a couple races that year. I think he won the inaugural, he did win the inaugural Chicagoland race as a rookie. Mm-hmm. As did Jimmy Johnson in the Bush series. It's only Bush series win, crazy as it is. But okay, we're going to move on here to a little bit of news that we overlooked at the start of it. And I think Preston has one he was been talking to me all about all week since it happened. What what? And it was post race at Rollville, and I think everybody knows where we're going with this. Oh yeah, the uh, Bubba Wallace and Alex Bowman incident. Oh man. You know, I like I want to like Bubba so much, but then he does crap like that and totally ruins it for me. And I understand he always says, and I listened to a podcast, a, a, the Dale Jr. download, and listened to him, his kind of take on it, and he's a very emotional guy, worse 
his emotions on his sleeve, and if, if he feels something, he's going to act on it. However, I would say for me, I would not go up to someone receiving medical treatment post-race and throw water in their face. I mean, how how uncouth is that? Well, I'm going to go against the grain on this one. I found it, I don't want to say enjoyable, but I mean, Bubba, he probably could have done without throwing drink in his face probably yeah. could talk to him about it but i like it because it kind of reminds me of like old school nascar a little bit uh, yeah i mean yeah you can go both ways i am on the fence about it i i like it and then i don't like it like i said he could have gone a different way with it instead of just you know tossing drink in alex bowman's face but i mean did bowman did dump him during the race but i think he was trying to get by him for the longest time so at that point what do you do you have to dump somebody at yeah, some point Bubba was flipping him off to some people. Oh, really? To, I did not yeah, hear about that. Some people, that's up there with spinning in someone's face. Yeah. You just don't do that to some people. Now, I have been flipped off on the road. I get laughed at. I laugh at it because, you know, it's funny to me because, hey, I am number one. Yeah. But for some people, that those are fighting words right there. And I think Bowman then took exception to that and showed him his displeasure. You know, and a lot of people use the finger in, in NASCAR races. You can see it if, you, if you're lucky enough to watch the TV and, and you catch a glimpse of that. However, it just pisses some people off more than others, and it pissed Bowman off to the point where he said, enough is enough, you're out of the way. And Bowman finished second. You know, if he wouldn't have done that, what if he would have finished, you know, sixth or seventh? It would have hurt his chances of getting into the next round, especially, well, that was a cutoff race, so he was already locked in. But he just killed his momentum going into Dover and into Talladega, so which are very important to keep the momentum up in both those, especially Talladega, just keep momentum up. But that, I, I don't like it. Never cared for it. And like I said, I want to like Bubba. Don't give me a reason not to like you because I won't. Like Everybody doesn't like Kyle Busch. There are yeah. fans out there that like him. Mm-hmm. Kyle Busch ran through the same thing. Years ago, when he was winning all those races in Xfinity, Truck, and Cup. Remember Nashville, where he took the guitar and broke it? That expensive, I think it was Gibson guitar, and he broke it so he could give it to each member of his team. Oh, man, what are you doing that there for, man? <laughs> I don't know. It's just some driver's, driver's personalities are funny to me. Absolutely. So, and, you know, like I said, you want to you wanna like them, but I want to see, I wouldn't see anybody like... Uh, Brad Keselowski going up there and doing that, and Denny Hamlin doing that. You know, a little more class in it, because not only that, you're showing, you know, the sponsors are okay with that when you know they're Mm -hmm. not. And Richard Petty somehow makes it to the track. You know, they're they're not a top-five team by any means, a top-ten team consistently, but they show up to the track race every week, and the name Petty is... Synonymous with NASCAR. NASCAR. And then when you have someone doing that in a Richard Petty car, representing Richard Petty Motorsports, not good to me. No, but, um, yeah, other than that, uh, one guy I really admired most of the weekend that I found out about when we got to uh, Charlotte that Friday morning. I got a text from a buddy of mine while we were setting up camp. The uh, Cup Series were in first practice, and he had texted me. I'm going to shout him out right now. His name is James Maples. He lives in Tennessee. Great guy. And uh, he texted me, and he said, uh, hey, Michael McDowell's going to the hospital. So, of course, I'm 
pulling up my phone while we're there trying to figure it out. Turns out Michael McDowell went to the hospital, hospital, excuse me, for kidney stones. And Austin Cindric was going to practice the car. I think he finished practicing the car for him. Michael McDowell was back that afternoon, qualified the car. Sunday afternoon, that guy ran in the top 10 most of the day. I got to give it, I got to give him credit. That's enlightening for two reasons. One, shows that Michael McDowell's drive. And I think he's a really good driver. I think he can go places in the sport. He's kind of where the Benedetto was a few years ago. Now the Benedetto's got his big break with Wood Brothers. And I think Medal will get that break. But that brings me up to my second point. You never really helped set up camp, and now I know why. <laughs> now I know why. It's because you were there. I oh, definitely did not see that one coming. Yeah, well, you, you just disappeared <laughs> for like 10 minutes out of courses out of breaks in the day i was trying to find the news man it you was just breaking news you disappeared a lot <laughs> we're, we're there busting our butt to make the campsite as hospitable as possible hey listen it took it took in friday and saturday but after was it just one Lowe's run? Yeah, yeah. One Lowe's run, a couple of different Walmart runs for other things, but well, the Lowe's run really... We had to make beer runs. Well, yeah, that too. You and Charlie had to make the beer runs. Yeah, I yeah, was true. on the Mountain Dew fix. Yeah, you were. People, uh, Sunday, was it Sunday morning or Saturday night? I think it was Saturday night. Some people were passing by the camp and they said, hey, wow, look at those flags. And I was like, yeah. oh man, I got to tell Beamer about this one. He's going to love this. I love it. I've worked hard on that. That's, that's two years of engineering. I right think there. one of, I think our campsite might have been one of the could have been the most talked about one of the most talked about of course other than that rv a couple rows over that was doing the karaoke every night and people were oh. butchering songs left in seven yeah, that was but. fun but i think that guy is a staple there I, that was my first time camping in that campground that was fun there at the camping world campground that was fun charlotte was fun um, recommend anybody to go and do camping at nascar races to do the rv that's the way to go. That, what a great weekend it was. It, it was, was. It was overall a great So weekend. I can't wait to do it again. No, no it's, it's going to be fun. I think we've reached that point in the show where uh, we're going to talk about, uh, we've talked about the standings. Oh, we got a little bit more news, actually. 12 to 10 crew members on the road, uh, not affecting pit crew, but affecting other crew, road crew members. How do you feel about that? It's, it sounds like another cost-cutting measure in NASCAR. They're trying to sounds like they're trying to save money wherever they can, which indicates to me that they might be having some troubles again. They might be, but however, and it's more for so for the teams, and I feel that you get what you pay for out of this. Mm-hmm. We've, NASCAR has tried cutting costs before, and it didn't work out well for them. So we'll see there. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like... Any type of cost-cutting measures, I can understand that and we need to give everybody an equal chance and all that stuff, which will go into our next topic. But I feel that cutting members, if I was Joe Gibbs and I wanted 100 guys there for each of my four teams, I should be able to have 100 guys there. Mm-hmm. No ifs, ands, or buts. Don't put a cap on it. It isn't baseball. These guys aren't directly affecting it unless you're going over to the wall spotting your crew chief into me. If you want 20 guys there and that'll make your team run more effective, have 20 guys there. Good luck fitting them in a small pit stall or garage. But if you want 20 guys there, you you can have 20 guys there to me. Yeah, so what Matt is basically talking about is on this um, road crew members at the track. Next year, they're going to cut back. Right now, cup teams are allowed up to 12 road crew members, but that's not including the five-member pit crew for each team. And so they're going to cut back on that to uh, from 12 to 10. You mean six? 
Well, right here in the article it says five member pit crew for each team. I think they cut back on somebody else not long ago Did as they? well. Yeah. Because you have your two tire changers, your two tire carriers, and Jackman. Who's going to gas the car? <laughs> It'll be electric by the time we get there, you know? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if they go electric, NASCAR's in big trouble. I can understand them doing something like Formula E a little. And those are fun to watch. However, you can't replace Formula E with Formula One. People will not like that. I don't know how I would react to the news that they're going electric. Every April Fool's Day, it seems like Kislowski sends out a tweet or something saying we're going electric and causes everybody to go into a rut. But, you know, after two years of seeing that, it's like, that's a joke. Yeah. Unless I see it breaking news on ESPN and whatnot, that's not happening. So, real quick, as far as that news goes, the... Road crew members that we are talking about would consist of the crew chief, engineers, mechanics, talking tire specialists, spotters, whatnot. So you're talking going from 12 down to 10. I don't really know how that really affects. I mean, that probably will affect teams in some way. You're bringing less guys to the track. Yeah, but then you're you're taking I I don't know how that will work. We're going to have to talk to one of my guys who's on the team to see how that will affect him or whether or not it will affect him. But we'll see. We'll and a, um, another little tidbit in that as well, uh, teams next year are going to not be allowed more than 150 hours of wind tunnel testing, and that's for the calendar year of 2020, and all of those hours are non-transferable as well. So if I was a Martin Truex and used up 150 hours of wind tunnel testing, I couldn't go to Eric Jones and take out of his bucket. Nope. Wow. Now, see, again, there... I think that's trying to put NASCAR, everybody on a more level playing field. If you got the money to do wind tunnel, I think Penske has their own wind tunnel. It, yeah, it actually says right here, I'm looking at it, the wind tunnel tests are only permitted at four different locations, and Penske is one of those in Mooresville, North Carolina. I don't understand that, and I can see where NASCAR's going with that, but I don't like it. I don't much agree with it. Because, again, you get what you pay for. Uh, so there, a lot of those wind tunnel tests in your – that's going to be difficult for a team, but also interesting. Which I don't think that'll last long, with the, especially the Gen Semi car coming out here and what they're saying twenty twenty one. I think they're going to NASCAR and the teams are going to have to relook at that rule and go from there. Uh, any other news? I, I think that's all I got. I think uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All um, right, we've come to the segment of the show where we're talking about the driver of the week. Instead of the driver of the week, I'm going to go with another route. I'm going to go with our NASCAR figure of the week. And this week's figure of the week is Smokey Eunuch. Smokey Eunuch. Nice. At, yeah, he was a World War II vet. After World War II, he moved to Daytona because it was warm and looked good. He was a no-nonsense guy just based on all the documentaries I saw about him. But he was one of those minds in NASCAR who revolutionized and tried to do a lot. The NASCAR rule book wasn't really a rule book. It was more of a, a pamphlet of like, oh, you have to run this, you have to run that. So he took that and said, it doesn't say, it doesn't say I can't run it. So he pretty much wrote the rule book, in my opinion. He actually prepared a Hudson Horner for Herb Thomas for second running in the Southern 500, which won the race. Uh, so he was just more of a mechanic. He re- opened the garage in Daytona, which unfortunately burnt down in 2011. He was involved in, quote, cheating, which uh, had to deal with aerodynamic enhancements, uh, nitrous oxide in the fuel, the fuel itself. There's one point in time where 
He took the guard at Daytona, ran very well, and NASCAR scrutinized him, and he just drove off. He said, I'm not dealing with this. But he, uh, you know, was very big into that. I, I encourage everybody to look more into him. He's, he's one of those unsung heroes, I feel, that made the mindset of every crew chief and engineer in NASCAR look at it. It's like, what doesn't it say? We could do this. We could do that. I think Smokey Eunuch is a good figure of the week right here. He unfortunately died in 2001. But figure of the week is Smokey Eunuch. I love the curveball. Figure of the week. Yeah, throw a little curveball in here. And then this week in NASCAR history is an interesting one. This week in NASCAR... Darren Waltrip wins the Old Dominion 500 in Martinsville and takes points championship lead. Bobby Allison suffers engine failure for a second straight race and trails Waltrip by 37 points in the chase for the NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National title. Waltrip ended up winning that championship that year with 12 wins, 17 top fives, and 20 top tens. That is your week in NASCAR history for you, little Dare Walter. And that was in 1982. Fantastic. So, any other, uh, anything else? Last last minute saved alibis. Uh, nope. I think we got everything we need. Uh, awesome. Just uh, we'll remind the uh, in the Marbles Nation that the Truck Series and the Cup Series are both in action this weekend at Talladega. I can't wait. I can't wait either. It's going to be fun. We'll definitely recap that as soon as it's over and look forward to Kansas. So uh, remember to like us on Facebook at In the Marbles and, and on Twitter at Marbles In. Marbles In right. for that. Make sure to do that and be, and be on the lookout here. We're hoping to start our YouTube channel up here very shortly. We'll give you more information on that in the next coming weeks. Maybe an Instagram as well. Who Maybe, knows? I think I, I got my Instagram up. It's not ready yet. Okay. So I'm okay. not. So we're working it. on that still. So we're working on that. <laughs> so. Facebook at In the Marbles, Twitter at Marbles In. For Preston Mood, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you for listening and have a good rest of the week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22.